In our parasha, after giving a brief background to Moshe and Aaron's family, we're going to see two consecutive psukim, one that puts Aaron before Moshe, one that puts Moshe before Aaron. Both the Medrash and the Ra- and Rashi comment on it, but they say different things. And we're going to analyze the difference between how Rashi and how the Medrash comments on it, what they're both trying to convey. We'll also analyze why it is that the Torah keeps emphasizing in this conversation that Moshe and Aaron are the children of Amram and Yechevet, because there's something about their parents that tells us not only about how they earned the rights to the shlichus, but how they fulfilled it. And we'll also look at the spiritual implications of the two different scenarios, Moshe or Aaron first, what they teach us about our experience of awareness of Hashem's absolute oneness. So Allah Pasuk, commenting on the Pasuk that says, Who Aaron or Moshe, Hashem lohem, so that this is Aaron and Moshe, to whom Hashem said, Take the Yidden out of Mitzrayim. This is the Pasuk, where Aaron is put first. So Pirish Rashi, Rashi explains it as follows. There's some places where Aaron is put first. But yes, and there are some places where Moshe is put first. And why is that, says Rashi, to teach you that they are both considered as one. Now, the same message, you can also find in the Tesefta and the Medrash, but there's two distinctions in how the Medrash says it. The Loshan there is, in every place Moshe is always put first. Whereas in this one place, that's where Aaron is preceded before Moshe, to tell us that they are equal to each other. So two differences in the expression. Whereas Rashi said sometimes and sometimes. And the Medrash says they are equal to each other. Whereas Rashi said they are considered as one. So there's a pretty logical reason why it is that Rashi would prefer to say that sometimes the Torah precedes Moshe and sometimes it precedes Aaron. Why? And why Rashi did not want to say it in the language of the Medrash that it's always Moshe first and here's the one exception. Mumbe Pashtos is a very simple reason because Rashi explains Pshat. Rashi says, because according to Pshat, it wouldn't really make sense that if you have a consistent way of presenting Moshe and Aaron, and then there's one outlier, that that, should, one, that one exception should teach us something about the whole concept of Moshe and Aaron. Wouldn't make sense. That also explains why Rashi does not include any of the other examples that the Medrash does include of where order is changed once in the Torah, because there are only once. Because all of the other examples that the Medrash included were Dafka examples where it's only one time that the Torah changes the order of things, and that the Medrash extrapolates is to teach us that they both have equal weight. And at Tzorchloimar, rather Rashi would say, If the Torah presents Moshe and Aaron as an example, always in a particular order, if there would only be one time where Aaron is put first, that would be for a specific reason that fits into the context of that particular place where it occurs. And here's an example. Look how Rashi explains the Pasuk that says that a person is required to be in awe of their mother and their father. Now, according to the Medrash, that's one of the examples where the Torah always puts the father first. And here's an exception to put the mother first. And the Medrash says, The Medrash learns from the one exception that mother and father are equal both in terms of how we have to respect and be in awe of them. Rashi says differently. Rashi says, Khan, here in this scenario where we're talking about awe of parents, Hikdim of Aimla of, that's where I put the mother first. Because the nature, as Hashem knows, is that a person is typically more in fear of their father than their mother. And when it comes to honoring parents, it puts the father first because it's more natural for a person to honor his mother because she encourages him with words, etc. In other words, Rashi is telling us in this context, it makes sense to change the order. It's not a lesson across the board to every reference to father and mother that they are equal. 
That's why coming back to our story of Moshe and Aaron, Rashi would prefer to say sometimes Moshe is put first, sometimes Aaron is put first. Lishon Rabim to indicate that there's more than one place where Aaron is preceded before Moshe. Because as far as Rashi is concerned, according to Pshat, the only way that you could learn that Moshe and Aaron are equal is if the Torah does it more than once to put the one before the other. So that we get. But there are going to be a whole lot of other questions that we have to ask. Moving to Poshet. Let's be honest. The, the, the debate over here between Rashi and the Medrash, where Rashi says there are many places that Aaron is put, or at least more than one place where Aaron is listed before Moshe, compared to the Medrash, that can't be a debate in fact. Compared to the Medrash and the Tesef to say it only happens once, they can't be arguing over the fact. <laughs> Either there is more than one place in the Torah where Aaron is put before Moshe, or there isn't. That's not subject to debate. So what is the distinction between Rashi's opinion and the Medrash? <laughs> the difference is, <laughs> the question is, if there are other psukim, which there are, where Aaron is listed before Moshe, is it are those places also part of the explanation, as Rashi would say, as part of the explanation that Moshe and Aaron are equal? Or are they contextual? In the other places, it has to be that Aaron is put first. And we're about to see some very simple examples of that. Let's look at the other three places where we find Aaron's name before Moshe. Just a few uh, lines earlier in our parasha where it says, that Aaron married Yochevet, and then it says, that Aaron and Moshe were the two children. Well, there it's logical that Aaron should come first because that's the Seydadvar and that's the chronology of how it happened. The second example would be in Parashat Bamish, where it says, Ve'ele told us Aaron and Moshe, these are the children of Aaron and Moshe, and then it talks about Aaron's children, so logically Aaron is first. And Gimel, there also, it's telling us that Amram had Aaron and Moshe, it's chronological. So in all three of those examples, you could say the fact that Aaron is put first is logical and not necessarily a proof to the concept that Moshe and Aaron are equated. So moving be pashtas hatam ledas hatosef tov hamedrash mipsukim elo ein ledaik shem shkulin zekoze. That's why the medrash does not want to use any of those psukim to try and teach us that Aaron and Moshe are equal. Me'achashemit davim oydas ledas Aaron and Moshe told the same because those are psukim that are either speaking about how they were born, where Aaron was born first, or about their own children, where obviously it makes sense. First you list Aaron and his children, and then Moshe and his. And that's why the Medrash would say, I don't believe that those psukim are there to illustrate us that Aaron equals Moshe. Those psukim, it only makes logical sense that Aaron would have been put before Moshe. So there's only one place where it occurs that Aaron is before Moshe, <clears throat> not because of context, and that's to illustrate us that Moshe equals Aaron. Which raises the question about Rashi. Rashi is of the view that there are multiple places where Aaron is put before Moshe for the purpose of showing us that Moshe and Aaron are equal. How does Rashi see that in those three psukim? Especially when you consider that Rashi follows the pshat approach. And according to the Pshat approach, the Pshat is that in each of those Psukim, it makes sense for Aaron to go first. He was born first, and therefore he is listed with his descendants before Moshe. So how does Rashi see in those Psukim evidence to the fact that the Torah wants us to know Moshe equals Aaron? So, Perhaps we could answer Maybe Rashi isn't in fact referring to the two psukim which actually speak about the birth order of Aaron and Moshe, our parasha and Pinchas, because maybe there Rashi agrees. Look, it has to be that that's the order in which they were born. 
Maybe he's only referring to the Pasuk in Bamidbar that says these are the descendants of Aaron and Moshe, which is not talking about their own birth, but rather about their descendants. And in fact, go read what's happening over there in Bamidbar. You'll notice something really intriguing that told They don't mention Moshe's children there at all. Which is why Rashi had to explain there. From here we learn that whoever teaches somebody else's children Torah, it's as if you become their parent. Because Moshe had taught Torah to Aaron's sons, that's what told those Moshe and Aaron includes Aaron's and that's why in that particular context Aaron's children are considered Moshe's children by virtue of the fact that he taught them Torah so maybe that's the answer. Because the context over there is that Moshe is the spiritual parent of Aaron's children, that should have been a place where, like normal, Moshe is mentioned first. The other rabbi, in fact, there's a very compelling reason why that should happen. As far that is one of the most appropriate places to put Moshe's name first. Because he's the teacher of Torah to Aaron's sons, as he is to Aaron himself, which is the context of that Pasuk. Why is he not put first? The fact that even in that context, Aaron's name would have been put first, that says Rashi, that is the second place that gives us two places where Aaron is put before Moshe, not just because of the context of how they were born. That would teach us that Moshe and Aaron are equal. So perhaps that's Rashi's approach. Because there's a second place in the Torah where again we see Moshe should have gone first because the context is about him teaching Torah and he doesn't. From that we learn that Moshe and Aaron are equal. Maybe that's Rashi's explanation. But it's a difficult explanation to argue why. Because if all Rashi really wanted to draw our attention to was that Pasuk in Bamidbar, and by virtue of that, actually, he'd be excluding the Pasuk in our parasha where Aaron is put first, Rashi would have said so. The fact that Rashi just says there are some places where Aaron is put first, that implies there are places we have already learned. Remember, Rashi typically does not bring evidence from something we haven't yet learned about without telling us. Or at the very least, it would have been somewhere in what we're about to learn in the next parasha or two. So we're not yet clear how it is that Rashi, according to Pshat, arrives at the conclusion that there are different places where Aaron belongs after Moshe and is placed before Moshe to illustrate that they're equal. There are other questions we have to understand about Rashi's commentary. Let's look at Rashi's commentary based on how he begins the, 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 his interpretation. This is what he says. Who Aaron or Moshe? He says, this is Aaron and Moshe. Eilu says Rashi, Eilu shehuzkuru lemailo. The ones who were previously mentioned, sheyoldo yocheved Amram, who Amram, and who yocheved gave birth to for Amram. Hainu, in other words, shepasuk zebo behem shechin yeledas Aaron and Moshe, amur lemailo sheyoldo yocheved. Rashi is making a direct link between this pasuk and a few psukim earlier where we were told that Aaron and Moshe were born to yocheved and Amram. Now, if that's the case, and Rashi is linking it to their birth order, who Aaron or Moshe, then it makes sense that Aaron is mentioned first. How could this then possibly be one of the proofs to the fact that Moshe and Aaron are equal? Aaron belongs before Moshe by Rashi's own commentary because it's talking about their birth. And in their birth, Aaron came first. 
And even if you want to say yes, but of course there's more to the Pasuk that Rashi is referring to. It's Moshe and Aaron, or Aaron and Moshe, who Hashem told to take the Eden down of Mitzrayim. Maybe that illustrates that it's not their birth order that is actually relevant to this part of the conversation. Maybe it's talking about their mission, their mission to take the Yidden out. And look, Aaron is put forward ahead of Moshe with regards to their mission. Even so, any movement, it still doesn't make perfect sense because if that's the logic, then Rashi should have used some kind of an expression similar to what he used about the mitzvah of Yiras, the, the fear that you're supposed to have for parents. Over there, what did he say? He said, there is a reason why you would think that you naturally fear your father first. Therefore, the Torah changed the order to teach you that detail. Rashi should have said something similar here. He should have said over here, The fact that in this passage it puts Aaron first, Rashi should have spelled it out and said, That by putting Aaron's name first, the Torah wants to emphasize, Because the context over here is to discuss and describe their shlichas to take the Yidden out of Mitzrayim. And logically, when we're talking about the mission to take Jews out of Egypt, Moshe is the central player. He's the one Hashem chose. He's the one who has the shlichus. Rashi should have said, look, it should have been Moshe first. Like he says by, it should have been the father first, because it's always keyboard of first. But it changed it over here to teach me that you would think that it's more natural to fear a father than a mother. Likewise here, he should have said, it should have been Moshe first, because we're talking about the shlichus. The Torah changed it to say Aaron first in order to emphasize that they're equal. He didn't say that. Now, as is often the case, sometimes to answer the question, you have to raise other questions or at least nuances in Rashi's interpretation, and we'll do that here as well. We'll understand what Rashi's talking about based on various other things we have to note about what Rashi says. When Rashi comments on the words that say, this is Aaron and Moshe, as we already mentioned before, he says that these are the same Moshe and Aaron mentioned before who were born to Yecheved and Amram. And in many other, in many of the versions that we have of Rashi, he continues, This is Aaron and Moshe that Hashem said to them. And there are places, sometimes where Aaron is first, sometimes where Moshe is first. For the Cha'ira, we're going to raise a whole bunch of questions on this. Number one. If Rashi's goal is to tell us that sometimes Aaron is put first so that you'll know that Moshe and Aaron are equal, why is it relevant over here to mention they're the ones who were born to Yecheved and Amram? How is that part of this conversation? It's perhaps important information for us to know, and we should have known it on our own, but why is it relevant to this conversation? Number two, if, as we assumed, Rashi's goal is to explain to us how come sometimes Moshe is first and sometimes Aaron is first, surely then the best thing for Rashi to have done was to quote the very next Pasuk. Which is in the same context and the same words, who? Moshe ve'aron. In other words, if Rashi wants to say, look, you see, sometimes they're different, there's the best place to find it in the next Pasuk. Further, we have to understand why is it necessary for Rashi to tell us this Aaron and Moshe is the same Aaron and Moshe mentioned earlier who were born to Yecheven and Amram? What, would you think there's someone else? Would you think this is a different Aaron and Moshe to the ones we've just read about? 
also. Why does Rashi use the expression that it's to teach us that Moshe and Aaron are equal as one? Why not use the same language that the Medrash used, which is to say they're equal to each other? And hey, the Iker, the main question we have to raise over here is, how could you suggest in reality that Moshe and Aaron are equals? How can you say they're equals? Even a five-year-old child learning Chumash for the first time knows that there's nobody comparable to Moshe. Especially when we know already Rashi told us previously that as Moshe was born, the entire house was filled with a holy light. And we all know that he is the one Hashem elected to take the Jews out of Egypt. And many other proofs of the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu is the greatest. Rashi doesn't even tackle that question. It's the most glaring question. How could anybody suggest that Aaron or anybody is equal to Moshe? He doesn't speak about it. Now before we can totally unpack this Rashi we got to go to the next Pasuk and see something else that Rashi says. Pasuk In the next Pasuk, Rashi quotes the words that say, They, Aaron and Moshe, Moshe and Aaron, are the ones who spoke to Paroi. Or Pirosh, and he says something again, which, do you really need to know this? They were the ones who were instructed to go to Paroi, and they upheld and fulfilled their instructions. Now, so many of them say, what's bothering Rashi over here? That he wants the Yashiv Hashayla to answer this question. Why does the Pasuk have to tell us that they, Aaron and Moshe, are the ones speaking to Paroi? It's something we already know. Therefore, explains the word Heim is to teach us They're the ones who were instructed. They're the ones who kept their instruction. And even then, I my Okay, so you're worried about a word in the Pasuk that doesn't seem, or a phrase in a Pasuk that doesn't seem to make sense. But what are you teaching us? Are you surprised that Moshe and Aaron did what Hashem told them to do? Why discuss this, Rashi? Following that, then Rashi quotes the words, now that's obviously relevant to us, right? Because that's what we're talking about. Who Aaron and Moshe now? Who Moshe Aaron? Well, Pirish and there he explains. They kept their mission and they kept their righteousness from start to finish. Also doesn't make sense on three counts. Why is it relevant at this point in the story to know that they remained faithful to their shlichus and to their righteousness right till the end? Why is it relevant here? Number two, technically, what do we mean when we talk about their shlichus and their righteousness? If Rashi wants to refer generally to the idea that generally they fulfilled Hashem's mission and generally they were righteous, he should have said, like the Gemara says, they were just as righteous from start to finish. Why does he have to say that they were faithful to their mission? And if you want to say, because Rashi is pegging this to what he already explained at the beginning of the Pasuk, that they fulfilled the Shlichus they were given, then Rashi should have highlighted the fact that they remained faithful to their Shlichus. And he didn't have to talk about the fact that they were righteous. Why do I need this? And lastly, why does Rashi use the word Haim at the beginning of his interpretation? Why didn't he just flow the word straight into his spirit as he usually does, where he should have said, It's Moshe and Aaron who were faithful to their shlichas and to their, and to their uh, righteousness from start to finish. And so we have to really understand what's bothering Rashi over here. What did Rashi really want to tackle with all of this information that is just raising so many questions for us? The explanation is exactly that. What 
question is Rashi really tackling? He, the question Rashi is tackling is, Before we get into the details of the wording of these two psukim, Rashi is bothered by the fact of why do we need these two psukim at all? Earlier in the parasha, we already know that Hashem spoke to Moshe and Aaron and instructed them what they should do. Rashi actually tells us why do we have this pasuk here? Because the Torah paused in the middle of telling us about their shlichus just to briefly tell us their yichus, their lineage, who they are. Once the Torah has filled in their backstory, who their family is, then, when the Pasuk says, Vaidabar, Rashi says, This Vaidabar is the same Vaidabar we already had before. We're just reviewing the fact that Hashem instructed them to go to Parai. That explains why the Torah repeats the word Vaidabar again. But what it hasn't yet addressed is why does the Torah add so much more information? Everything else that the Torah is telling us up here, we already know. It's Aaron and Moshe who they were told to go to Paroi, etc. Rashi tackles that by reminding us. And not just reminding us, but highlighting this is Aaron and Moshe who were born to Yecheved, married to Amram. Knowing that gives us a tremendous amount of context over here. In fact, that answers a really big question. You're in the middle of telling us a story and then you break to tell us who the family members of the, the, the protagonists of the story are. Why are you doing that? So in order to understand this, let's see who is Yecheved and who is Amram and why are they relevant. Already in Parsha Shmois we learned about their mother Yecheved that she refused to follow the instruction and decree of Paroi to kill baby boys at birth. Rather, she and her other midwife, whether it was her daughter-in-law or her daughter, they refused to do, they feared Hashem, they refused to do what Pari told them. Not only did they not kill the babies at birth, they cared for those children to ensure that they would survive. That tells you who Yecheved is. Somebody who worked with all of her abilities to ensure that Paroi's decree would not come to fruition. She even went against the decree. So who's Yecheved? Somebody who has the chutzpah to stand up to Paroi even at risk to herself. We find the same thing with Amram. That even at the time that Amram knew having a child meant that there was a risk that the child could be killed and Paro didn't want them to have children, he dafka remarries Yechevet to have another child. That's what the Pasuk wants to give us as context to who Moshe and Aaron are. Why were they chosen to speak to the Yidden and they were chosen to tackle Paroi? Why them? Why were they chosen? Because they're the children of these heroes, Yecheven and Amram. The fact that their parents were people who put in so much effort to the point of risk to their own lives to preserve and perpetuate Jewish life in Mitzrayim. That's what turned Moshe and Aaron into those who should take the Yidden out of Mitzrayim. Now, you should have a question at this point. Both of those stories 
occur after Aaron is already born. It's difficult for us to understand. The fact that Amram remarried Yecheved or Yerach Letzorich Leitas Moshe only had a direct impact on the birth of Moshe. Because Aaron was already born before. So, where's the mysterious Nefesh impacting Aaron being chosen to be the one to help take the Yedin Mitzrayim? We understand the mysterious Nefesh of Amram affects Moshe. So he is the candidate who should take the Yedin Mitzrayim. Makes sense. And the fact that that um, stood up against Paro's decree was after Aaron was born. The whole thing of hiding Moshe and all the details that was Moshe. And as a direct result of that, very logically, who is the main actor in the taking out the Yidden of Mitzrayim? Moshe. So therefore, Moshe should have been mentioned first. Who Moshe Aaron? That question is not only directed at this particular pasuk where it says Aaron first. Even the psukim that gave us their lineage, where you could say Aaron comes first because he was born first. No, why did the Torah in the middle of Vaera start telling us their family, not to remind us of their birth order? It's to remind us how they earned the rights to be those who would take the Yidden out of Mitzrayim. If that's the case, even there where it told us the Toldois, it should have put Moshe first. Because the only reason we're talking about their lineage is a reminder of the fact that Amram and Yochevet earned them the rights to take the Yidden out of Mitzrayim, which puts Moshe first. He should have been listed first. That's why Rashi says there are some places here, right here, in this parish, there are some places where Aaron is put before Moshe. Rashi is not relying on a pasuk that will come later in Bamidbar. He is referring to Psukim right here in our parish, one that's a few lines back. As well as our pasuk right here, to tell you that there are two scenarios where Moshe should have been put first because the entire theme is about taking the Yidden out of Mitzrayim, where he is the main player, and yet Aaron was put before him. That teaches us that they are as one. It's not like the Medrash insinuated that they are equals. They're not equals. Which would imply that Moshe and Aaron are at similar levels of spiritual greatness. They're not. But in this context, which is the story of their mission to take the Yidden out of Mitzrayim, here they are one. What makes them one is their shared equal role in this particular Shlichus. So yes, Mekom Yishem Akhtam Aaron Lamoshe. It's actually a very different interpretation to the Medrash. The Medrash is telling us that some there's one occasion where Aaron is put before Moshe to tell us that they are equals to each other. Rashi is not saying that at all. Rashi is saying in this context, sometimes Moshe is first, sometimes Aaron is first, because in this context, they have equal roles or equal importance in their roles of taking the out of Mitzrayim. Now the fact that over here, the Torah not only repeats, but it almost makes it like a standalone piece of information that they are the ones who spoke to, to Paro, the king of Mitzrayim. And that shows us that indicates that even when they encountered and engaged with Paroi, that is also part of the carryover of their parents, Amram and Yochebed. In other words, it's not just that Amram and Yochebed got them to the rights to take the Yidden out of Mitzrayim, but even the fact of how they dealt with Paroi, that relates back to Amram and Yochebed. That doesn't seem to make sense. 
What's the connection between Amram and Yocheven and the fact that they speak to Paroi? Rashi, therefore Rashi has to tell us how. Well, they were the ones who were instructed to take the Yidden out of Mitzrayim, and they fulfilled that instruction. Which means that the way that they were successful in speaking to Paroi is a direct result of Yolda Yecheved Le'Amram. How so? Because there's something about what Moshe and Aaron did that echoes the behavior of Yecheved and Amram. Let's look at what did Yecheved do. She rebelled against Paroi. It was a difficult choice to make. She put her life on the line to do that. When Paro calls them in and says, Hey, why are you doing this? Why are you keeping the children alive? That carries a death sentence. They're defying the king. Therefore, the terrorists to tell us how did they have the gumption to do this? Because they had absolute Yerushalayim. For which reason they were actually subsequently rewarded with an incredible sechar. They had this incredible dynasty that they built because of their dedication to Hashem. So what do we see about Yecheved? Not only did she defy the king, but to the point of Mesiris Nefesh. Similarly with Amram, the fact that he remarried Yecheved was a huge challenge and relied on many miracles, as Rashi explains. The same thing is what the Torah wants us to know about Aaron and Moshe when they confronted Paroi. Like their parents, it took a tremendous amount of trouble and difficulty to stand up and do the shlichus. Like, for example, the end of Parashat Shmois, the Torah tells us what Paroi say to them. Why are you interrupting this national building project? Go back to your business. That's why the Torah tells us they are the same Moshe and Aaron who stood before Paroi. Which means that even in their conversations with Paroi, not only how they earned the rights to have the Shlichus, but the way in which they fulfilled the Shlichus, reveals and attests to the fact that they are the children of Amram and Yecheved. Hainu meaning, the fact that Hashem told them to take the Yidin out, it's because they inherited and they upheld the greatness of Amram and Yecheved, which is, that they want to do with every bit of their being to do what Hashem expected of them. As Rashi tells us, you could see it because they were instructed and they fulfilled exactly as they were instructed. Now you've made this absolutely clear. Who are no Moshe? Then in the Shlichus, they're equals. And you've told me that they are attributed to uh, Yecheved and Amram because they have the same dedication to their Shlichus. Why then does the Pasuk now repeat again who Moshe ve are? That raises three questions for us. Why is the Torah repeating itself? Why here is Moshe put first? The fact that, they, that Rashi spoke about Pesukim when Moshe is put first didn't have to be here. To prove to us that they're equals. And it'll come up Psukim Yil Shabem Kaitna Moshe Laran, and there are many Psukim previously that show that Moshe comes first. And Gimel Apostuk Vaser Bilishain Rabbim Hema Medabrim. It's very weird that the Pasuk starts in plural by saying they spoke, or Messiah, and doesn't conclude in the same way. Loy hey Moshe ve'Aaron. It doesn't say they are Moshe. Hello, who Moshe Varim Bilishain Yochin? Suddenly it changes to the singular. He is Moshe and Aaron. 
to tackle that, Rashi explains, it means it's Moshe and Aaron who were absolutely faithful both to their mission and to their righteousness from start to finish. This time where it says this is Moshe and Aaron is different to when it said that is Aaron and Moshe in the previous Pasuk. In the previous Pasuk, why does it say who Aaron and Moshe? So that we will know that in regards to the Shlichus, they are as one. But here, here we want to emphasize that they are committed to their Shlichus each in his own way because they don't have identical Shlichus in this particular context. The fact that in the previous Pasuk we pointed out that they are absolutely equal in their Shlichus, what do we mean? That Hashem's instruction to them is equally to both of them, you together as a team, go take the Eden out of Mitzrayim. But how they would play out that shlichus had to be in two distinct ways. Each one of them had to manifest their part of the shlichus uniquely. So, does Hashem give them one shlichus? Yes. Do they fulfill it in identical ways? No. So, heim hamedaber. Look at Moshe Rabbeinu. We find that Moshe put, gave pushback to Hashem. He says, why are you sending me? Shlach no and the simplest explanation of that is Tzidkas Moshe, it's Moshe's righteousness. Aaron is his older brother. He doesn't want to usurp his position. Whereas Aaron's approach to the Shlichus was complete simcha from start to finish, a completely different playing out of the Shlichus. Not like Hashem tells Moshe, you might have thought that Aaron will be somehow upset at you for, for taking greatness. And on the other hand, when it comes to actually playing out the Shlichus, Moshe is the lead role and Aaron is the voice box. Whether it's speaking to the Yidden or speaking to, to Paray. Moshe had the iron fist on Paray. His job was to, so to speak, control Paray with, with incredible power. And Aaron's job was to be the spokesperson. As Rashi says, you'll shape the words to kind of appeal to Paray. So when it comes to giving the shlichus, shkulin ke'echad. When it comes to fulfilling the shlichus, heim, they're two different kavim, they're two different approaches to fulfilling the shlichus. That's why Rashi has to say they are absolutely faithful to their shlichus and to their righteousness. In other words, what he's saying is that this singular expression, who over here in this pasuk, in the context where Moshe's name is put first, it's in the singular because we're addressing Moshe in one way and Aaron in another way. It's as if the Pasuk had said, this is Moshe, this is Aaron. Which in fact explains what it means that they are dedicated to their shlichus and their righteousness from start to finish. When it comes to fulfilling the shlichas, there are two different approaches. Moshe has to do certain things and Aaron has to do other things. <coughs> two ways that they fulfill their shlichas, which are, which are relevant to their two types of tzitkas. So, Moshe has his shlichas, which is relevant to his kind of righteousness, his level of being a tzaddik, and Aaron has his part of the shlichas, which is relevant to his part of his level of being a tzaddik. Now that we understand this concept, that what the Torah wants us to understand is that Moshe and Aaron are equal in the fact that they were given a shlichas to do together, which means each one had to apply their particular unique approach to that shlichas, and how did they do the shlichas? Because Amram and Yechevet had tremendous mysterious nefesh, which 
seeped down into their mysterious nefesh to do their shlichus absolutely properly. What does this mean on a spiritual level? Chassidus explains that Moshe and Aaron, in a sense, represent the two names Havai and Elikim. Aaron Moshe, Moshe Aaron, Moshe Goimer. The fact that it says it is Moshe and Aaron, it is Aaron and Moshe. Is that we should clearly understand and appreciate that Havai Elikim is one thing. That represents the union between Havai and Elikim, two different experiences and dimensions of godliness. So now, how come the Torah one time puts Aaron first and the other time puts Moshe first if it's supposed to represent the Yichud, the union of Avaya and Elikim? Because there are two ways in which that union could occur. There are two, two ways, two levels of how this could happen. And they are alluded to they're alluded to in the fact that they're two different psukim that speak about Hashem who Perhaps you could actually see it in two, not just the fact that it says Hashem Oelikim twice, but that they're two different psukim. One that says you were shown to know that Hashem is Elikim, there's none else besides him. And the other pasuk is that you will know today and place it in your heart that Hashem is Oelikim in the heavens above and the earth below, there is nothing else. So this is how we're going to explain it. Aaron first relates to the Pasuk And when Moshe is mentioned first, that relates to the Pasuk Now we have to understand what the difference between these two Pasukim are and how it relates to these two formats of the Yichud between Avayin and Elikim. Abir says the explanation is this. When you say that means that Hashem reveals to us the Abisha does the work. The revelation starts from on high. As the explains, Ato means you absolute essence of Hashem. Hor Esa means her Esas Atzmecha. You revealed yourself. Loda Samanashi Yedo Isra. In order for us to be able to know you. That's why there's no mention of heaven and earth when Hashem's revealing his essence. Kimitzadagilam Ilamaila Nibu Koldava Shor Shoi. In Yon Ilamaila Vishemus Vishamayim Borat's Enam Nirimikarim Kimitzis Bifne Atzma. So when Hashem reveals His essence, when Hashem is the one exposing Avayahu Elikim, you don't see the distinction between Shamayim, Oretz. Everything is as it sits at its root, and there's no distinction between different entities, each of which has its own identity, its own space, etc. Whereas the other approach, which is you have to know today and you have to place it in your heart, that's human endeavor. We learn, we meditate, we come to understand Hashem. That's where you come to recognize Hashem through your own efforts. That's why it does talk about Shemaim Boritz. Because my experience, my reality is that Shemaim, the spiritual holy realm, and Oretz, the physical realm, are separate. Which means that I'm starting from a perspective where things appear to be disparate, separate from each other, and I have to work to bring them together. But here's the kicker. Dafka when human beings work hard and we learn about Hashem and we meditate and we daven and we try and explore and understand that That creates a deeper union of Havai and Elikim than when Hashem does all the work and reveals himself to us. 
because when we work this through on our own, then in spite of the fact that the world appears initially to be a place of disparity and separation, we are able we're able to show that Hashem's essence can even be revealed, experienced, and felt in a world that looks different and separate. That's a higher level of union. The fact that everything, so to speak, dissolves into oneness when Hashem presents Himself, that's not the ultimate state of Avayahu Elikim. But when you have a world that looks like it's different to Elikim, it looks like it's different to godliness. And we're able to reveal that's the ultimate expression of Hashem's essence which can accommodate that contradictory reality. A world that appears independent yet celebrates Hashem's essence. This is what Rashi is telling us. Says Rashi, who Moshe Aaron? What does that mean? They who were described earlier, born to That is the way that it is revealed from on high. This is Somebody else gave you the power. When you look from Milamaila, Moshe and Aaron are like one. Means that as one, there is to start with, you're looking from Hashem's perspective, there's no space for contradiction. There's only complete oneness. And the second passage where Moshe is put first. So the first passage where Aaron is put first. That represents Atoreso. Aaron is Oisius, near air, the letters that of, of, of seeing. Hashem makes himself visible to you. There it's everything is one. Second passage says, The fact that this is now a second passage. And in this passage, Moshe is put first. Moshe tells us must be a high level. You started at that level, but now you've progressed to this level. Rashi tells us, how did you get there? How did you arrive at this higher level? Through human effort. They in their independent, unique ways did their avoider and created this incredible space. Following on from what the Pasuk says, they're the ones who spoke to Paroi, they're the ones who fulfilled what Hashem told them. If you're looking at life through the, the lens, through the experience of human effort, human effort is different from person to person. Dafka that kind of unity of Hawaii and Elikim, which is achieved by human endeavor. That tells us that we'll reach a point where nothing changes, right? When you've got the human world on board, then from start to finish, from highest to lowest, everything is absolutely committed. Because as we already said, to be able to reveal Hashem's self in the lowest world requires Hashem's essence. Which is something totally beyond differences, beyond higher, lower. The fact that the lowest world can accommodate Hashem himself, that is a sign that you're dealing with Hashem's essence. That will be revealed in the future. When the world will be filled with knowledge of Hashem. And then we'll be zoicha to have Moshe and Aaron with us. With the coming of Mashiach right now. Obviously the implication over here is very much about our avoid. Is what will make that happen. We should succeed in doing that immediately.